Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at marksdailyapple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at primalblueprint.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. Today, we have a repeat offender and one of our favorites here at the Primal Blueprint, Dr. Alvin Dannenberg, DDS. We call him Dr. Dan for short. He's a periodontist, a certified functional medicine practitioner, and a primal health coach. And we're here to talk about his new book called Crazy Good Living, Healthy Gums, Healthy Gut, Healthy Life, Feeding Your Body from Cradle to Grave. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's so much fun to be here again. Yeah. So first of all, I love feeding your body from cradle to grave. That is such a great, such a great tagline. <laughs> thank you. Um, for those of uh, our audience who don't know who you are, and um, you know, you you have this story in your new book as well. You're sort of a a, a walking primal miracle in a lot of ways. Uh, tell everyone about the serious incident that happened to you and what age you were at and, uh, give us your backstory. Absolutely. It's, it's an interesting story. And before I even tell you the story, you know, people sometimes need a situation in their life to make a change. And this was a life changing event because I could have died. So I was 59 years old. And at that time, my daughter and her family were um, relocating to Portland, Oregon. They were living in Charleston, South Carolina at the time. And they had sold their house. They were living in our house for a few odds and ends to be um, finished. And I was holding my laptop in my hands. My daughter was sitting on the floor and I looked at her and all of a sudden I dropped my laptop on my, on my sofa and I said, I just got an electric shock from my laptop. And my daughter said, oh, dad, don't be so melodramatic. One week later, I had a stroke. So what probably happened in that little electric shock event was not really an electric shock from the computer, but it was probably a TIA, a trans-ischemic attack, that, uh, a transient ischemic attack, which is sometimes um, evident prior to a stroke. It's kind of a warning sign. I had no idea, but I, I guess my doctor said it was probably a stroke, um, a, a precursor to a stroke. So that And you actually were in a very fortunate position there because your wife had been a nurse. Tell us about the signs that she was aware of because yeah. that was interesting. Yeah, so I was sleeping in my bedroom with um, my grandson between me and my wife, and he was maybe five years old or so. And I was, in, on a Saturday morning, I would always take him or pick him up to go out to breakfast. So I turned around, it was five or six o'clock in the morning, and I started to shake him and I wanted to ask him if he wanted to go to breakfast. And I couldn't speak. I, I, it just came mumbled words like ah, ma, 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 um, out of my mouth. So I thought that I was actually breathing through my mouth at the, during the night. Maybe my mouth was dry. I got up. I had no problem. Went to the bathroom, got a drink of water, came back to the bedroom, tried to talk, and I couldn't. So my wife woke up, and she realized immediately what's ha what was happening. She is a registered nurse. So she took me to the emergency room, and I was having a stroke. Lo and behold, here I thought I was basically a healthy guy, and I did things that I thought were healthy but really were not. 
So this is the at, at a point when I was 59 years old, as, as I mentioned. So my doctors obviously saved my life. They put me on seven medications to take for the rest of my life. Um, within a few weeks, I could speak okay. And about six weeks to two months later, I was back to seeing my patients. So I, I was very fortunate. However, my doctors had no idea why I had a stroke. They had no idea what to tell me to prevent the stroke. The only thing they said was, continue these seven medicines for the rest of your life. That didn't sit well for me. So I yeah, started and being on, a doctor, I mean, yeah. you have to have been like, all right, well, I, I think I can do some research on my own here. And I went to the sources that most people would go to, like the American Heart Association, the American Diabetic Association organizations that you would think would give you information to be healthy. I would have thought that I had that information from my training in dental school, but that was not true. So I went to all these sources and I got information and I started leading a different life. And, and for the next seven years or so, I did what these references suggested I do. And then in ninth, when I was about 66 years old, I found a course at the Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health of all places, and it was called Nutrition Intensive for Healthcare Professionals. And it was a, a five-day course that was supposed to really get all these facts and, and research all together, and, and I thought it was just going to hone all this information together for me. So I took the course. It was based on ancestral nutrition, which is a term that I never had heard about before. And it blew me away because I started to learn that I was doing everything wrong. So from the age of 59 to 66, from all this research, I have been proven to be wrong. And I called my wife and I said, Sue, um, when I come home, we're going to make some changes. So when I got home, we bumped heads for a while and we well, she agreed with me to do a 30-day uh, test. She's like, you can make the changes. I'm not making these damn changes. <laughs> but she actually accepted it. So we took out all the processed foods and all the junk stuff in, in our freezer, refrigerator, our pantry. We had seven bags of foods that we took to the food bank and basically the pantry was bare. So we started buying and eating wild caught fish and pastured animal products and organic fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds. And I changed my lifestyle. All of a sudden, from that point, when I was 66 till now, and I'm 70 years old, and I am still in, in a, a repair state, I'm beginning my fifth year or so of getting my body healthy. But now I have, instead of seven medications, I am only on two medicines intermittently. I have lost over 30, 35 pounds not trying to lose weight, but basically, as you know, when you eat healthy and you have a healthy lifestyle, your hormones balance and your excess weight just drops off. So I decided that, you know, something is right here and my whole life was wrong. So what I was learning, I not only incorporated my life and, and the people that I knew, but I incorporated for my patients. And now when I'm treating my patients from periodontal disease, which I do on a regular basis, obviously, I incorporate the concepts of primal nutrition and primal lifestyle. And certainly being a primal health coach and, and the other formal training that I got from this new knowledge since I was 66 years old has basically integrated all of this information into a very well-planned project for myself and for my patients. 
And it's a fascinating concept. So it is. And it's really something everyone who is in the dental arena, no matter what your role is, you really should read this book and get to know about this. Because as you say, the mouth is not an island unto itself. You must be concerned about anything and everything in the mouth, but that most medical professionals often overlook this. So let's get into that. Um, I mean, let's talk about, first of all, the, the first documented evidence, you say, of gum disease really wasn't, or we see it around 15,000 years ago. And this was interesting as this... Um, the the in Morocco. Can you talk about that little scenario? Yeah, you know, so so everyone was uh, assuming in the in- ancestral world, for example, um, that diets changed ten thousand years ago with the advent of farming civilization and the growing and processing of processed seeds from grasses and processed sugars, and as you know, all these elements that are damaging our body. But here's an interesting situation. So 15,000 years ago in Morocco, some skeletal remains were found. Um, And of course, they dated it to this period of time. And it turns out that these individuals, obviously, they were not eating grains per se, because they weren't growing grasses at this point. But they were finding acorns, um, and they were crushing them and cooking them. And the way archaeologists figured this out is because where the skeletal remains were, they also saw remnants of um, pottery that actually would be used to grind these acorns and, and cook them and heat them and create a very sticky, refined type of and processed type of carbohydrate now. And they were eating this food. It stuck to their teeth. And they developed gum disease and specifically um, tooth decay. And and you can identify this by looking at skeletal remains, the changes in the jawbone, the changes in the tooth structure. And the the reason behind it, which is supposed to be a a fact, is that the bacteria, the, the sugars and the bacteria um, started to change in the mouth, and it more than likely changed in the gut. And there is a vicious cycle that occurs when the gut is damaged from unhealthy foods and chemicals, changes the bacteria in the mouth, the microbiome in the mouth become very dysbiotic, and then you have a vicious cycle where you have infection that could be developing from the gut as it leaks into the bloodstream, and then a new infection around the teeth and the gum tissues that will start to leak into the bloodstream, just like a leaky gut. And where you have these two areas or nidices of infection, it can become the the source of all chronic disease. And any other source of infection in the body could do that also. So the mouth is a critical part. And most people, when they they talk about nutrition, they kind of start with the stomach for some reason and they go down, but they don't even understand or figure out that the mouth really shows everything or almost everything that's going on in the body. Well, Uh, and it's certainly the pipeline to the stomach. So the fact that it's ignored makes no sense. Isn't that amazing? So my book is kind of... uh, uh, the story is very similar to people that are talking about primal nutrition and lifestyle, but the difference is really, let's start with the mouth. Let's understand the importance of the mouth. Let's understand how the mouth 
can be decimated from damage in the gut and damage from certain food products because the inc- the prevalence of gum disease is phenomenal today. Yeah, go through some of the stats. Yeah, yeah. approximately 94% of U.S. adults have some form of gum disease. That means their gums will bleed sometimes when they brush or floss, or maybe they don't see the bleeding, but there is infection under the gum tissue. That's phenomenal. Um, most people would say with, when they go to the dentist, even dentists will say, um, oh, oh, you just have a little bit of bleeding. A little bit of bleeding? Come on. If you were standing in front of a <laughs> mirror... So and and you were, you know, shaving or doing your hair, and all of a sudden you saw a drop of blood drip out of your ear, would you say, oh, it's just bleeding a little bit? I mean, the gum tissue is as strong as the cuticle around your nail. If you scrub your nails, you would not expect them to bleed. If you're washing your, your ears, you would not expect blood on your washcloth. And when you're brushing your teeth, you should never expect any pink from the from the gum tissue that is on the toothbrush or your sink or dental floss. So these are signs of gum infection. So why do we have gum infection? Well, our primal ancestors hardly ever had um, gum infection. The primal societies that exist today, which are the, very few, but in remote areas of the world, hardly ever have gum disease. But the westernized diet, civilized people have very rampant periodontal disease as well as tooth decay. So these are factors that are examples, manifestations of bad food, bad lifestyle, dysbiosis in the gut, dysbiosis in the mouth. And all of this is easily changed by changing the food and changing the lifestyle. Yeah, I want to get back to this uh fact that everyone needs to really get into, which is gums should never bleed, right? Not even a little. And I want to get in more into that. But I just had a thought, which is, you know, some of the primitive-ish cultures out there, the ones in some of the, in the South Pacific and the islands, like if you see someone with really bad teeth, um, they are sort of, uh, I don't know if you'd call it an addiction, but they have an affinity for betel nut. And I'm wondering if the beetle, chewing on the betel nut is very similar to that acorn scenario. Uh, that could be. I don't know. Yeah, and, and I just don't a thought. Know. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a strange thing. But you know, they have messed up teeth—the ones that chew on the betel nut all the time—and I thought, oh, that's interesting because that's, I think, a maybe a similar scenario. Anything that is sticky, the Hadza, for example, tribe, um, the Hadza that actually go out and hunt for food on a regular basis for long periods of time have been showed. Just recently, I think it was reported in 2017 that. Um, they have a higher prevalence of tooth decay. And the reason probably is that they eat honey, which actually has some benefits in the mouth, but they're eating propolis as well. Propolis is a very sticky um, substance. It's like a glue that bees use to repair their hives. And they're eating this, and they're and it's sticking to their teeth. So the the honey in itself has a lot of medicinal benefit, but like anything else, if it's in too high of a concentration for too long, it may have damage. I, the, the authors of this study suggested that maybe the propolis that they're eating and it's sticking to their teeth, and the honey is kind of stuck underneath of it, is feeding some bacteria, changing the health of the gum. And the, and the overall mouth, and that's why they have decay. And maybe the betel nut is the same thing. I don't know. 
But a change, a change in the bacteria is critical, and the bacteria that are pathogenic have to have a food source, and that would be sugar. And the sugar is what's causing decay. Get rid of the free sugars, which are all added type sugars or concentrated sugars, and the prevalence and incidence of decay would go down to almost zero. Now, you are very, I I think your explanation and how you go about describing acellular carbohydrates and that whole uh, train is really great and it's uh, so understandable. Can you talk to us about that? Because, see, there's going to be people that are like, oh, well, I don't eat sugar, quote, sugar. But, you know, they're eating brown rice and and that's all really sugar and can do just as much damage to your teeth. So if you could get into explaining that. Uh, discussion would be great. Absolutely. First of all, actually, when you're talking about teeth and tooth decay, it's primarily the added sugars and not the um, the acellular carbohydrates per se. They do other damage, but they're not creating the decay. But acellular carbohydrates are a fascinating concept. It was t- the the term was coined by Ian Spreadbury. Um, I think. 2012, he wrote the paper that was published that explained what acellular carbohydrates were. It turns out that, you know, all food has um, a cell wall. And when we eat the foods in carbohydrates, for example, the cell wall is slowly broken down. The nutrients are absorbed in our our guts, whatever um, cell material cannot be digested by us. It's by, digested by our healthy gut microbiome for the most part, unless it cannot be even digested by them. And everything is, is great. Now, when you have a method of ch- removing the cell wall from normal food products, you concentrate the carbohydrate and your body doesn't have the capability of dealing with this highly condensed carbohydrate as it would if the cell wall were intact. So when you take grains, for example, and process them into flowers, or you take fruits and vegetables and process them them into um, sugar products, these are acellular. These Food products are now dead. They'll live a long time because they're they're very stable. They don't they don't rot because they just don't have the 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 chemistry that real cellular food has. And your body takes these highly concentrated carbohydrates and it affects the microbiome. It affects the hormonal balance. It affects the lining of the gut. And all of a sudden chronic disease becomes an issue. So acellular carbohydrates, which are processed carbohydrates from flowers and and processed sugars, are extremely damaging. Now, the the acellular carbohydrates that are not from sugar products but the flour are not very nutrient-dense or no nutrient density at all, but they have other anti-nutrients like phytates that suck away some of the minerals that should be around and, uh, the tooth and, and in the saliva, and it creates other issues that supports tooth decay. But tooth decay is de- most likely a result of actual free sugars 
feeding the the pathogenic bacteria and then creating the decay. Right, and 70% of your body's immune system resides in the gut, and there is that connection. And so we need to, and you have a whole lifestyle repair plan in your book from, you know, food choices to recipes. It's really great. Um, let's talk about a couple of patient scenarios. Uh, let's talk about Gene, that 71-year-old who came to you and thought history was kind of interesting. So we, ha- we have a patient. Um, this is a, an interesting older guy. You know, sometimes people get set in their ways, right? And you, know, you can get set in your way when you're 13 years old, too. But certainly um, an, a much older gentleman is aware of the things that they have done for the, their entire lifespan that don't cause problems, they believe. So this guy comes to me, um, and he has bleeding gums. And we're looking at his mouth, and we're trying to determine what's going on. Um, he had some cleaning appointments, deep cleaning appointments with a hygienist that supposedly would take care of the obvious sign or, or, or the, uh, the, resu- um, the irritants that could cause gum disease like unhealthy dental plaque and tartar under the gum. But he was not getting um, a response. The tissues would just continuously bleed. So I recommended some ideas to him. I, we talked about what he was eating. And it turned out that he was eating some type of grain every meal, every snack. And I suggested that he possibly would ha- be um, diagnosed, which I didn't do at this point, but possibly diagnosed with some either irritable bowel syndrome or inflammatory bowel um, disease. And we needed to evaluate that. But first, I would recommend he stop all the grains and added sugars in his diet. Well, he kind of laughed at me and said that um, I have been eating this kind of food for all my 60, 70 plus years. Certainly, it's not my problem. Um, I'm going to go to somebody else. So I said, fine, get, get another opinion. So he, he went to an oral surgeon. Um, they put him on anti-inflammatory drugs. Um, I think he even went to a gastroenterologist. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what they did for him. But sometime after that, he came back to the office and he was still having problems. And I said, well, I would recommend, if nothing else, going on this uh, diet or change in the lifestyle to remove the grains and the added sugars. Well, 30 days is a drop in the bucket even for a 70-year-old man uh, based on a lifetime of, of living. So he decided to do that, and he found out that he was greatly improved, his mouth greatly improved. Now, not completely. He still needed more diagnosis of what was going on in his gut and pop- possibly more treatment for a gut dysbiosis, um, leaky gut, maybe other ulcerative d- damage in his in his gut. But for the most part, by changing his diet, he initiated some repair. And over time, that might not be, uh, or, or that might be the only treatment that he would need to um, change and 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 or accept. And I think he was a happier guy because of it. Absolutely. And there's another. You have a few stories, but there is one that there is just a striking before and after of a mouth. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the first photo, you know, it's almost as someone opens the gums and the person's just sort of like smiling teeth face to the camera. And you can see that the gums all around the teeth are 
red and swollen and look very irritated. And then the after photo is of the same mouth and the gums are beautiful, pink and perfect and look just gorgeous. And the only difference <laughs> was stress in this person's life. Yeah. So let's talk about that because, you know, I mean... This is, this is almost a, um, a, a, a well-controlled study, when, although it's not really controlled. But this is a situation where all of the stress, the external stress was removed. So here's a, a woman. This is not my patient. It was a patient of a periodontist who I worked with, uh, Dr. J. Dalton Keith uh, in Charleston, South Carolina. So he had this patient, and she came into the office, and as you explained, her mouth had ugly, irritated, very, very raw lesions in her mouth. It was most likely plaque and poor oral hygiene. So when we examined her, Dr. Keith examined her, he could not find signs of dental plaque. He could not find the, the normal um, etiology of this disease. So he had a physician, he sent her to a physician, they did a full workup, um, possibly this kind of a lesion could be even a malignancy. Turned out that she didn't have any of these problems, no apparent blood dysgracias or whatever. And she came back to him and they talked and, and apparently Dr. Keith was able to really find out what was going on in her life. And it turned out that she was working for an employer who was psychologically and sexually abusing her. This abuse obviously was extremely stressful. And the lesions in her mouth may have been from this stress. Well, Dr. Keith explained to her what possibly was going on. And he convinced her, since she didn't have any real ties in Charleston, to maybe f find another job somewhere, uh, get out of the city, get out of this environment with her, for her employer, and see what it would do for her mouth. And it turned out that she was very fortunate. She did find a great job in another city, left the area, and then came back three or four months after that to see Dr. Keith again, and her mouth had completely cleared up, and that was the second photograph. There was no treatment other than removing the stress. And this is the importance of this example is that stress is so not understood. A lot of people say that, you know, you have problems in the gut because of genetics. You have problems in the gut because of the food you're eating. It turns out that stress is a, is a critical factor to the health of your body as well as sleep, as well as Restore, uh, restorative sleep and, and uh, efficient exercise. But stress is a critical factor. If you have everything else in your life right, but your stress or your stress load or your ability to deal with stress is not under control, that stress can throw everything out of whack. It will throw your immune system out of whack, and that's exactly what was happening. Her immune system was significantly compromised, and so the bacteria was compromised, right? So then it just yes, but it wasn't really bacterial. It was a result of it was a result of the tissues just getting very, very aggravated. It was not infectious. There so were, it was inflammation. It was just it was inflammation. Exactly. That's fascinating. 
Um, you know, it's interesting. I heard something. I forget who it was. There was some actress being interviewed recently, and I saw a clip, and they said that they lost a couple of teeth due to stress. And, you know, I mean, initially, initially I was like, I don't know if I'm buying it. <laughs> but then but then after seeing this before and after and reading your book, I was like, oh, gosh, do I totally buy the direct correlation there? And also, I think what's really interesting about this story is who knew your dentist could be your life coach, right? I mean, here's the thing at the end of the day, but at the end of the day, every medical professional should possibly be asking these questions. Here's this woman. She probably didn't open up to anyone, maybe friends or family. She never really thought about changing it. She's wrapped up into this codependent abusive thing. And a dentist of all people says, Hey, what's going on in your life? Because they understand that there's a connection and, and just that dentist understanding the connection and being able to ask a question to that patient changed her life, like her life, not just her mouth, right? But her life. Hopefully she'll never get involved in another situation like that. Maybe that was the impetus for her to finally get out and have get the self-esteem and the self-worth. But every medical professional should be doing this and they don't know about nutrition. And you're right. You didn't, you didn't study it because they didn't teach it to you. And so I just think that that's so important, you know, that because no one thinks about a dentist having it, you know, I mean, not to bag on dentists, but no one really no, thinks no, about right. that right. having a life changing, um, outcome in, in terms of, uh, one's emotional life. I wrote, um, an email to Mark Sisson some time back. And I said to him, that in my opinion, every medical professional, and this is, a, this will sound like a commercial, by the way, every medical <laughs> professional, and certainly every dentist, because a dental office is a platform for overall health, because we, we deal with the mouth all the time. But every medical healthcare professional should take the primal health program that that Mark has created with the Primal Health Coaching to understand the interrelationship of all of these things. There are a lot of other programs out there. There are a lot of programs with functional medicine that are important. There are programs with um, understanding the, the, um, the, the different testing and biohacking that you can do. But the concepts of understanding lifestyle and nutrition and integrating them I think is critical and the primal health coaching program is the best program I have seen because I'm part of it that really has integrated all of these uh, elements into a program that you can not only implement on in your own life, but with your patients. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. And I think also your, your, your commercial, actually <laughs> your, your impromptu commercial here uh, gives it a lot of weight because, you know, and, and not to hope you know take offenses, but you know you're a 70 year old man who's got their medical degree. You've been through this, and if you're seeing that with all the years, all the things you've studied, that says a lot. And you're also seeing it in your practice and the patients of others. And I agree. Not only dentists need to be on board because obviously they're dealing with the first connection to our immune system, the mouth, the gut. But also, what about I, I think also too for for psychiatry professionals as well. I think it's really, really important because as you know, and I know, uh, blood glucose management and adrenal management is all related to moods and emotional stability. And that goes back to the gut as well. So, you know, gosh, it's so applicable in every medical field, but yeah, the mouth is, you're starting right there with what you're putting in it every day. If anything, they should be on the front lines of this thing. Oh, you are. This, this is true. And, and it's sad that it's not 
happening for a variety of reasons. First of all, we did not, as dentists and medical doctors, we did not get any of this training in medical school or dental school. So our training is so devoid of this knowledge, why would we start thinking about it after the fact? If you look at all the programs for continuing education that all physicians and dentists must take X number of hours a year just to have their licenses renewed properly, there are no or there are very, very limited programs that teach real nutrition. I'm not talking about the nutrition that you learned in dental school where you you understood what vitamin C was and what vitamin D was. And then after 20 minutes of that study, then you knew everything about nutrition. And that's, that's the kind of training that we got. We don't understand ancestral nutrition. Do you know in dental school, the name Weston A. Price was never spoken or taught? I didn't know of Weston A. Price until I started my journey in learning about ancestral nutrition. Can you believe that? It's just an amazing statement, but that's true. So medicine and and, and dentistry have not had the opportunity to understand there is a huge link here. And as a matter of fact, food is much more medicine than any of these pharmaceutical drugs are. And that goes right back to some ancient Greek uh, quotes right there. Um, Can you tell our audience, though, who Weston A. Price is for those uh, who don't know? So Weston A. Price was a dentist back in the early 1900s that um, he did some very unusual and and mind-boggling observational studies where he went to various parts in the world and he saw primitive peoples that had healthy jaws, had healthy teeth, had healthy gum tissue. And then he saw similar types of peoples in these areas of the world that ate much more of a civilized, westernized diet that had all the genetics that these people had, but their diet and lifestyle were different. And they had rampant orthodontic problems. They had rampant uh, orthodontic problems would be the positioning of the teeth and the, and the size of the jaws and uh, rampant gum disease, rampant tooth decay. And he kind of figured out that it was based on the nutrients that came with the healthier foods and the lack of nutrients that were generally eaten from westernized processed foods. So this is a brilliant man. Now, unfortunately, he had some other ideas that are, I would say, not correct. And that probably made him not so popular in the dental world today. But okay, you know, not everybody's 100% correct. He had brilliant concepts and research that, that I think was very illuminating. And what he has observed is still true today. And that's why primal societies rarely have chronic disease or tooth decay or gum disease. And tooth decay and gum disease are chronic diseases. So if you can eliminate the source of these chronic diseases, generally, you also have a healthy mouth. Now, you don't really go into too much detail on this and get into this topic of your book. And so I'm just going to throw a left fielder at you. Um, <laughs> um, can we talk about mercury and mental, f- uh, and metal fillings for a second? Um, because I personally had, uh, very high mercury levels and probably a lifelong of sushi and tuna. And, you know, I was a smoker at one point, you know, who knows all the toxic overload, but 
at the end of the day, when we looked at that mercury, I had at one point back in the day, my mother had learned, you know, a long time ago that these things were bad. I got all of the fillings I had replaced except for one. And I didn't realize I even had it. It was, it's way in the back of my mouth and I never really could see it. And so I went to go get a, a teeth cleaning and, you know, talk to my doctor and they're like, actually, you have this really large silver filling in the back of your mouth um, that had probably been there for years. So I did recently get it replaced and I'm going through a mercury, uh, you know, natural detox. But let's talk about that because from, from what I've learned, I feel like if you've got metal in your mouth like that, get it out. What are your thoughts? Well, I agree with you. Here, here are a few of the problems. Metal in your mouth, um, which actually is generally um, mercury, in what looks like a silver type of filling, that mercury becomes free vapor 24-7. When you chew on it, um, eat different types of foods, whatever, there is some mercury uh, vapor that is being emitted, and this mercury vapor goes into your system and creates all the problems that heavy metal toxicity will do because it is a very unhealthy neurotoxin. Uh, as well as it disrupts the microbiome, it damages the gut lining. I mean, it does almost everything bad. So it's not a good thing. And I want to bring it around to, and maybe you can link this up with your discussion of mitochondrial, because, you know, heavy metal toxic overload can absolutely disrupt mitochondrial function. That's a very important part of health and weight and life. So maybe you can tie that into your discussion you had in your book about that. Well, it turns out that the mitochondria are basically like the batteries in a, a flashlight. So if you want the flashlight to work, you have to have fresh batteries and even if the batteries are slowly dying, you'll get a little light, but not the light that you really want with fresh batteries. So every cell in the body has mitochondria, and some cells that are very active will have 10,000-plus mitochondria per cell, and then some of those that are not as active that don't need as much energy may have only 100 or so mitochondria per cell. But the mitochondria are really critical, and all disease is a, a result of mitochondrial dysfunction. So the cells need to talk among themselves and they need to know how to deal with themselves. When a cell is spent or not working properly, it knows how to kill off itself. So all this is related to the health of the mitochondria in the cell. And we want to do everything we can to support that. Right. So mercury is just one of the toxic substances that damages the mitochondria. On the other hand, nutrients that you get in obviously healthy, nutrient-dense, anti-inflammatory type foods, which is basically a primal type of diet, support the mitochondria. But sleep supports the mitochondria. Exercise significantly supports the mitochondria, especially high-intensity interval training. And these are things that I cover in my book. Certainly, everything that Mark Sisson talks about is, is, um, supports this concept. This is a critical factor. So if you have – if you are putting into your body toxic substances, maybe if you just had an amalgam in your mouth – for example, but you had an unbelievably healthy lifestyle and, and nutrition, nutrient-dense diet, maybe that amalgam would not really cause problems. It, there would be toxic load, but your body might be able to deal with it. There is a natural process of detoxifying 
from natural glutathione that's being produced in every cell that will help detoxify this. Certain foods help to stimulate the, 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 the production of glutathione that will help detoxify and remove some of this free amalgam uh, mercury that may be going into your body. But there is toxic overload when you're eating foods that are sprayed with glyphosate or Roundup that are extremely damaging to the mitochondria, to the cell wall, and to the gut bacteria. And then you're eating foods that are high in um, acellular carbohydrates, and then you're, you're stressed, and you have a lot of uh, um, sleep issues. You go to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning. You get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. All of these stressful events create the problems that will damage your body. In my opinion, if anything is easily corrected, you should correct it. If anything is easily avoided, you should avoid it. If you can't avoid something, okay, you, you can't win every war. You can't win every battle. But you definitely don't want to have a dentist put a toxic substance that will sit there for the rest of your life in your mouth. Now, if you already have amalgam restorations, then it's a consideration to remove them. Here is the big problem. There's a, so, there is just a certain amount of mercury vapor that is being emitted from this ama amalgam restoration in your mouth. Maybe your body is detoxifying it. But if you go to the wrong dentist or the, the, the most dentists will just drill this amalgam out and put something else in, when they drill the amalgam out, they are vaporizing a huge percentage of, uh, of all this vapor now that you're not even exposed to on a daily basis. Now your body is exposed to this huge vapor insult that could actually make you very sick. So if you don't have a dentist that literally knows how to remove amalgam in a biologically healthy way, I would not have those amalgams re replaced because- Right, and you can call and ask. I mean, I actually called and had the dentist spoke to the dentist. I what made him go through step by step. I asked him what the difference between what he would do and a holistic dentist would do. I, I, I really researched it to find, to make sure they were doing it the right way. And any dentist worth their weight will take the time to describe that to you. And, you know, it involves putting a special dam in your mouth so that it catches the mercury. It's a high, it's a high powered situation. They try to get it out of there as quickly and as fast as possible. And then the the protocol that I did with my functional doctor was I had already started the, you know, the natural detoxification sort of uh, substances uh, a couple of weeks before I got it removed and then continued. So I was sort of midway through the detoxing part to kind of finish it off halfway through. So, you know, you've got to call and do your research. You don't want mercury pieces flying all over your mouth and then you're swallowing them. And then, like you said, that's even worse than have, have, having the filling just stay there. So definitely do, exactly. do your research. One, um, of the, one of the organizations, and let me just interrupt that, one of the organizations out there that would probably help listeners if they wanted to find a good dentist that was trained to do it properly. There is an organization called the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology. Obviously, they have a website. Um, they use their initials with the website, so it's IAOMT.org. They could go to this website 
And there is a banner somewhere in the navigation bar, find a dentist who has been trained to remove amalgams in a healthy way. I think you just simply put your zip code in and they will send you a list of dentists that have been trained through them to remove amalgams properly. Now, there may be other dentists that know how to do it that are not members of this organization, but if you had no idea who to go to, this would probably be a good source to look into a healthy biological type dentist that knows how to remove the amalgam. That's great resource. Thank you so much. And so in sort of wrapping up a little bit, okay, so uh-oh, health on my mouth. I am having some glump, you know, I'm getting some bleeding with flossing. Obviously, change your diet. Go get a good teeth cleaning, right? And then from there on out, what can we do? I know you talk about a few things like maybe rinsing your mouth out with some coconut oil for 10 minutes and then spitting it out, doing doing that as sort of a repair. Um, I know that you've, you know, sometimes suggested maybe a drop of oregano oil mixed with something as an anti um you know, inflammatory antibacterial. What what can we do? I mean, other than those things, we're getting on the right track, then how do I begin to take care of my mouth? Are there no-nos like the alcohol-based, you know, Listerines? I mean, what what do I do? Sure. So let me let me tell you about some of the no-nos first because it's very important. And that is you do not want to use an antimicrobial mouthwash every day. What will happen if you use something like a product that will kill bacteria in general in your mouth is that you remove the huge numbers of healthy bacteria. And now you'll create not only a dysbiosis of some of the bacteria that, or even yeast cells that don't get destroyed from antimicrobials, you can develop other issues, but there is a very significant biological pathway that occurs on the top of your tongue that will totally be destroyed if you use antimicrobial mouthwashes on a daily basis. So let me mention that to you because this is really important. There are foods, basically leafy green vegetables, for example, that have substances that are called natural nitrates. Nitrates are necessary for the body to go through a reduction process to eventually make nitric oxide, which decreases blood pressure and a variety of other things, as well as improves the health of gum tissues. Because there have been some interesting double-blind studies to show how gum health will be improved if you eat foods that are high in nitrates. So here's what happens. When you eat a food that has that's high in nitrates, your body chews the food, your mouth chews the food, you swallow it. Those nitrates go into the stomach and to the uh, duodenum. They start to get absorbed into the bloodstream very early on, and 50%, 25 to 50% of the nitrates is actually incorporated and eventually into your saliva. So now every time you, your saliva kind of drips into your mouth, it's loaded with these nitrates that have been digested to some point. Now, the bacteria on the top of your tongue, which are anaerobic, will take the nitrates that are in your saliva and reduce them to another chemical substance called nitrites. Then you swallow the nitrites. It's complicated, but when you swallow the nitrites, 
Then it goes through a variety of processes that, for the most part, will become nitric oxide, which is very healthy to the body. There was a paper that was just uh, published this year, just a couple months ago, for physicians that explained to other physicians that if your patients are not well controlled with their blood pressure, it is very likely if they are on antimicrobial mouthwashes on a daily basis, they're destroying their body's potential to make their own nitric oxide from the nitrates in the saliva because the bacteria have been killed on the tongue that create the process or start the process. So mouthwashes that are antimicrobial are very harmful. Be that as it may, let's go back to your question. So what can you do? The first thing that you should do, like you just mentioned, have a nutrient-dense diet. Come on, let's figure this out. You need to remove the irritant. If you, if you have a house that's on fire and the, and the fire trucks are spraying water on the house, but behind the house there is a gasoline leak that's dripping into the garage, the fire is not going to be put out. You need to take care of what is causing the fire. So if the foods are are inflammatory, get rid of the foods that are inflammatory. Eat a healthy, nutrient-dense diet. But in your mouth, you could and should brush. Brush your teeth at the gum line, and I do not recommend any of the traditional toothpaste. I simply recommend taking a toothbrush, dipping it in a little coconut oil, dipping it into some baking soda, not baking powder, but baking soda, and brushing with it. It's a little salty. So what was Okay, so baking happen, soda and coconut oil as, a, as toothpaste. That's it. That's all I use. Wow. And so so why, why is that good? Well, the, bake, the coconut oil has some antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal activity, but it's not going to kill all the good bacteria. So that has the properties of a, a healthy type of uh, medicament. And the baking soda actually has the ability to change the pH to make it less acid, which is important for the mouth. It also has the ability to um, become a very light abrasive, so you can clean the tooth very easily without damaging the tooth structure. And it also has the ability to lighten or whiten the teeth to some extent. So coconut oil and baking soda, perfect for a mouth for a toothbrush. And I also recommend cleaning between the teeth with little tiny brushes. One company is called Gum, G-U-M. They make a little brush called a soft pick. It looks like a little baby's bottle brush, but it's infinitesimally smaller. But it fits between the teeth. And you could take that little brush, dip it in the coconut oil and baking soda, and clean between the teeth. And you are good to go. Your mouth is going to be extremely healthy. You could take a spoon, invert the spoon, and clean the back surface of the top of your tongue because that anaerobic bacteria that's so healthy for the nitrates can become overgrown, especially if you're eating a lot of foods that have sulfur products. And that's where the far majority of mouth odor will come from, the, the top of the backside of your tongue. So you could take a spoon, invert it, go all the way back, to almost feeling that you're going to gag and then pull the spoon forward, scraping your tongue. You'll see a lot of junk on it and just wash it and, and do that once a day or twice a day. And you'll be able to take care of your mouth without damaging the healthy mouth bacteria that you absolutely need. 
So that's how you would take care of your mouth. Certainly floss between the teeth to remove anything that's caught between the teeth. But most of the time, the most important area is where the gum meets the tooth and you have to have the toothbrush clean into that correctly and have these little brushes between the teeth clean into that area very correctly. That is, that's great. How, um, so drdannenberg.com uh, is where we can find you. Um, and yes. that's D-R-D-A-N-E-N-B-E-R-G. And of course, I'll post these links in the show notes. How can um, someone work with you? Let's say there's someone in another state, they don't feel like they're getting good dental help. You know, they're concerned about whatever situation. Do you, can, can you work remotely with people? Let us know. How can we connect with you if we've got an issue and we're not in your state? Absolutely. I actually do consultations by phone or by Skype. Um, and I've, I've seen or, or talked with people and work with them through Skype as far away as Australia. That's pretty much on the other side of the world. So um, it's easy to do. If you go to my website on, on the uh, navigation bar, it says consultations. If you just drop down and you'll see um, that there is some information about doing a Skype consultation. Actually, if, if you were to do that, you would fill out a questionnaire online that gets sent to me online as well as a three-day food journal. So I understand the kinds of food you're eating. Um, sometimes uh, individuals want me to see their x-rays so they, they can send their digital x-rays. I cannot make a diagnosis, obviously, on the internet, but I can tell these individuals what I see, give them some direction, maybe refer them to some people in their area to actually treat them and, and see them live. So that's, that's a great way to contact me. On the contact um, uh, area on, on the navigation bar, I, I certainly respond to email questions. So if a person just wants to ask me a quick question, um, I will turn that around and give you an answer. And of course, my book. You got to read my book. Yes, your book, Crazy Good Living, Healthy Gums, Healthy Gut, Healthy Life, Feeding Your Body from Cradle to Grave. Where can we find it? Well, it is on Amazon. Probably it's going to be in uh, available in any bookstore kind of situation, I would guess, online. Um, right now, the Kindle book is available. It was released on July 19th. The hardback and paperback editions will be available uh, in about um, the beginning of September, I believe. So that's what my publisher says it will happen. So I guess it's going to happen. So um, yeah, certainly read the book. Great. Thank you so much. You're such an inspiration. And I'm so glad all of this work you're doing to help further educate your community of doctors. Uh, again, drdannenberg.com. That's uh, Dr. Alvin Dannenberg, DDS. And again, the book is called Crazy Good Living, Healthy Gums, Healthy Gut, Healthy Life. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, y'all. I appreciate it. So Chris Kelly, Nourish, Balance, Thrive, we're, we're talking about health and you're telling me a funny story about your picky four-year-old daughter that won't eat unless there's Primal Kitchen uh, condiments on the table. It's true. My daughter will not eat unless there's f***ing the Primal Kitchen Wilder. <laughs> it's, it's this cute thing, actually, she does. We have a local state park called Wilder Ranch. Oh, yeah. And uh, she calls the ranch dressing Wilder Ranch dressing. Which <laughs> we, 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 there's no way we're going to correct her on that. It's just too per- so, so endearing. Uh, how old um, is she? 
She's four. Oh my god! So she likes like the mayo on. Oh yeah, she so she loves those. So we love them as well. We have uh, we we eat them all the time. We eat the mayo. We eat the balsamic. We eat the the ranch. Um, the avocado oil we use all the time, and, and so you know that's completely genuine. And I don't mind talking about that because you took the pain in the ass out of condiments. I really appreciate that. What an authentic spot from Chris Kelly at Nourish Balance Thrive. And yes, Primal Kitchen, you can call it Wilder Ranch Dressing if you want. <laughs> and uh, we'll send five cents of the proceeds over to that beautiful state park because they're, they're trying to make ends meet in Santa Cruz Mountains. Thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> it's my pleasure.